So let's pray, and we're going to jump into his word. Father, I thank you for the people that are here. I thank you, God, that we can come into your house, Lord, and we can worship you. God, that we can give you praise and magnify you, Lord, and look at you and put our faith in you rather than looking at the world around us and uh, putting our faith in the things of men, Lord, the things of the earth. But, God, we put our, our faith in the one who made men, the one who made the earth. God, we put our faith in you. And so, God, as we get into your word, I pray that we would understand it. Lord, as Kyle said, let it get down into the soil of our heart and produce fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, today we're talking about a word, uh, overwhelmed. How many of you have ever been overwhelmed before? At any time. How many of you have been overwhelmed in the last year? How many of you have been overwhelmed in the last month? How many of you have been overwhelmed? This little guy's laughing. He thinks it's hilarious. This is not comedy. We're talking right now, okay? How many of you have been overwhelmed in the last week, the last day? How many of you have been overwhelmed in the last five minutes? Wow. See, this is a word that really applies to our life. Here's the definition of it. It is to be buried or drowned beneath a huge mass. Yesterday, I walked up into our loft in our house, and I look over, and we have this giant bean bag. And I look in the corner of our loft area where this giant bean bag is sitting there, and all I can see is, like, my daughter, Cammie's head sticking out from underneath it, like, and the bean bag is on top of her. It's completely swallowed her. And I'm, like, looking over because it's totally random. And I, at first, I got scared. Like, I almost charged the bean bag and, like, wrestled it down as a dad to save her. And I'm, like, what are you doing? And she's, like, I just got cold. <laughs> so she, like, shimmied herself back underneath it like a hermit crab and just her head's popping out. But she was overwhelmed by this bean bag. It completely covered, smothering her and taking her over. The other day, my daughter, uh, Kira, uh, I posted this video on Facebook, and within 30 seconds, I had my wife and my daughter tell me to remove it immediately. immediately. So this is a family secret, okay? <laughs> this is just a family here, just us, okay? Family of God. And if you're online, this is just a family secret, so plug your ears. Turn away. I go in to get her in the morning. She's five months old. I look in the crib. I can't find her. But I can hear her. So I'm looking around, and I look. And I just see this white face with a black mouth indentation. And she's like, ah, rah, rah, rah. And she is completely, 100%, fully smothered in her blanket. There's no eyes. And it is so tight that literally she sucked part of it into her mouth. And she's just talking, laughing, like, ah, rah, rah. And I'm like looking at her. And I pull it off. And she's still smiling, like, hey. Thank God for whoever invented these new kids' blankets that have, like, breathability to them. So I posted it, and Carrie's like, don't do that. They'll take our kids. So I took it down. <laughs> but she was overwhelmed by her blanket, totally smothered by something that was supposed to help her, right? It's to be defeated completely, as in this team overwhelmed that team. You know, if you're a football fan today, you know, and you're going against the Patriots, your team is going to get smothered completely, overwhelmed, totally, with no hope. Okay, that's what's going to happen. It's to be given too much of something, inundated, overwhelmed, right? It's when something is just too much for you to, to take care of, to handle, to bear. Now, here's a phrase that you may have heard. Okay, so we're going to get into whether uh, you should listen to this or throw it out. How many of you have ever heard, God will not give you more than you can handle? How many of you have ever taken comfort in that? Like a blanket, you're going through a hard time, it's like, God will never give me more than I can handle. Okay, just like I took away Kira's blanket, I'm here this morning, I'm going to take away your blanket. Okay? I'm taking that away. It's not biblical. We're going to get into God's word today, so don't leave yet. 
Okay? But it's not biblical that God won't give you more than you can handle. It's very unbiblical. It's actually completely anti-biblical. It's not at all how God works. And so we're going to get into God's Word, and I'm going to show you that. But being overwhelmed is to be so covered and smothered and inundated. By definition, it's to have more than you can handle. It's to be under a weight that's heavier than you can bear. It's to be too much for you. That's what overwhelm means. And we've all felt it. And so either if we're feeling overwhelmed and life is overwhelming us, then one of two things is happening. Either God's word is wrong because he won't give us more than we can handle, or else that's not really God's word. That's just a cool saying that somebody came up with. And then they posted it with a nice picture, which happens. Okay? And people do that. And then we fall into these things and we live it. We say, I don't understand why God's not supposed to give me more than I can handle, but yet I feel overwhelmed. Is God a liar? Is this not true? Is this not really how it's... Re- Why is God failing me? Well, the problem sometimes is that what we're claiming as a promise is not a promise at all. And so we're claiming something that's not accurate, it's not true, and then we think God's disappointing us. And so we blame God and say, God, you didn't show up. Lord, you let me get crushed underneath this. Lord, you're supposed to help me. And so we're going to dive right into God's word and figure out what the truth is, because the Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Genesis 1.28 is the first verse that we're going to get into. This is right from the very beginning, the first people. Watch how God worked. Is that God goes to Adam and Eve in verse 128. I'm going to see if I can lift this a little without taking it apart. Uh, Verse 128, he says, God blessed them, talking about Adam and Eve, the first two humans. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. He's going to bless them. How many of you want a blessing? Like, oh, God bless me. Not very many. How many want to give a blessing? There's some, there's just a few. Okay, how many of you want a blessing? Let's hear it. Right? We all want a blessing, okay? This is awesome. So God's giving them a blessing. God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful, increase in number. Now check this out. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So the first two people are on the earth. They haven't done anything yet. They just got, just boom, God made them. Breathes life into them. They're standing there. And his first command to them that he's giving them as a couple is be fruitful, multiply, how many of you have kids? Okay. Pretty easy, right? That's pretty easy. Maybe, maybe one, maybe two. Right? The first thing he tells them, fill the earth and subdue it. I've got four kids, now five kids, that we just added a little baby. I can't even subdue the five I have. He's talking about fill the whole earth and subdue it. Can you say overwhelmed? Wow. Like, God, we just got started. I mean, when I said I wanted a blessing, I mean, like, I wanted, like, a cool kid to, like, run around and play catch with, you know, maybe do a little help me, you know, pick the fruit off the trees, do, but not that fruit, but some other fruit. Just a kid to play with, something to do, someone to love, someone to tuck in at night, you know, that takes a lot of naps during the day. But God says, fill the whole entire earth and subdue it. That's overwhelming. And guess what? That's God's command to them right off the bat. Even though it's a blessing, gives them way more than they could possibly handle. So we'll go on to another biblical character, Noah. Now Noah's living in a time where the world is so wicked and it's so terrible that God's ready just to destroy everyone. People are just doing the wickedest things you could ever imagine. They're hurting each other. There's violence everywhere. They're selfish. They're just basically, he made them to represent his love and reflect his love. He made them in his image and they're destroying each other. So God comes out and says, you know, I need to wipe all these people off the earth. This place has totally gone insane. Except for Noah and his family. Noah and his family said, you know, I'll have you do something. I'm going to have you build this giant 
humongous wooden boat. Huge. Bigger than a football field. Giant boat. 450 feet long. And then I want you to get all the animals. Pet owners in here? This morning. This morning. I'm still, this morning, I'm still like trying to overcome it. Trying to work through it. I cleaned up dog poo off of my landing. This morning. I walk through. I'm starting my day fresh. I'm praising Jesus. Looking out the window, seeing the sunrise. I'm excited about God. I look at my bedroom door. I'm like, I'm starting my day, man. It's a fresh day. And I'm like, that's a fresh poo right there. It ain't a fresh day. I just got one little puppy and one medium fat pudgy dog. That I got to take care of. He's big boned. Problem is his bones keep getting bigger. They just get, I don't know how that works, but they keep getting bigger. Okay, that's all I got. My hands are full. He tells Noah, not only are you going to build this huge boat, and at the time it hadn't rained, the world was like a greenhouse. The water, the Bible says, came up from the ground. It was dew. It was springs of water and things like that. And all the other water was kept up in the sky. And so it was like a greenhouse effect. And so God says, you know what? I'm going to break open the heavens, and I'm going to drop the water down, and I'm going to flood the earth. So build this boat. It's going to be rain. Nobody even knew what that was. And he builds this boat, and people are mocking him and making fun of him. And he's building this huge boat. And now he's supposed to get all these animals and corral them and herd them into there. And then read the rest of that verse. It says that actually they're supposed to uh, rule over the... Well, that's Adam. If he comes down, he says, You are to bring into the ark two of every living creature, male and female, to keep them alive with you. So he's supposed to bring them in the boat, feed them, care for them, take care of them while outside the entire world is destroyed. Can you say overwhelming? That is a big job. Who gave him that job? The devil? Well, I might interpret it that way. God gave him that job. God said, I'm going to give you something that's going to now consume the rest of your life building this boat, and then I'm going to put you on there with all these animals. In the meantime, people are going to make fun of you and mock you for doing it. I'm going to give you this enormous job. Overwhelming. God gave it to him. Go on to Moses. At some point, maybe God eases up and just kind of has fun with people. But we go to Moses. Now, Moses was born in a time when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. And so they lived in this country, Egypt, and they would not want the men to be born because they didn't want them to become strong and overthrow the, overthrow the government, the country. They wanted to keep everyone as slaves. So it got to a point where they wanted no more men to be born. So the the uh, assistants, what do you call those? The adulas? The adula, a midwife? The midwives were to come along and watch. And if the Israelites had a baby that was a boy, they were to take it right off of the mom and kill it. So that's where he was born into. But the mom rescued by putting him in a little mini boat, floating him down the river, and he ends up being adopted and brought into Pharaoh's house. And he gets trained up in all the ways of Pharaoh, becomes a part of Pharaoh's court. He's a leader of armies and a commander, and he has all of these things going on. But at some point in his life, he realizes that he is not an Egyptian, and that his people are in slavery, that his people are being killed, that his people are being hurt. And he has this revelation of this, and so he decides he wants to deliver them. So he gets in a fight. He actually kills a man trying to stop violence even between each other because it was chaos. Then he gets scared and he runs because he's overwhelmed by what he's feeling. 
and now by how his actions are trying to carry it out in his own strength, and now he's done something wrong, he's murdered someone, he runs out into the desert to get away from everything, and he just becomes a shepherd, and he just shepherds sheep. And he spends 40 years out there hiding out in the wilderness. So this is a guy whose people, there's like a million Israelites that are all held in Egypt under slavery. He knows he's supposed to somehow help them. He has no idea how. It overwhelms him. He flees to the desert. And here God comes and talks to him out of Exodus. Exodus 3, 9 through 11. It says, and now the cry of, this is God talking, now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending an army. God doesn't say that. He says, go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So he goes to this guy who ran away scared, and he says, you know what, I want you to go back into the greatest military power on earth at the time, back to where if they find out who you are, that they're going to kill you, back to where they're killing all of the people that are born, the men that are born of your, of your race. I'm sending you back there to set them free. Can you say overwhelming? That's a big job. Who's giving it to him? It's not the devil. God's giving it to him. God's overwhelming him. God's giving him this plan. And so it says that uh, to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? This is not a guy who had some huge self-confidence and says, great God, I was just waiting for something big to do. I was waiting for my purpose and my destiny. Finally, I've got it. Finally, I pulled the sword out of the stone and I can go and set people free. This guy was happy to just be out there with the sheep. Gotten away from the chaos. I'm not overwhelmed anymore. <sighs> Finally, my life's in order. Anybody waiting for their life to get in order? And trying to follow Jesus at the same time? Trying to follow God's plan and God's purpose at the same time that you're also trying to get your life in order? That you're trying to find peace and relax a little? Catch a breather? Because it ain't going to happen if you're following God. And we're going to get into more why that is. I know I'm scaring some of you. You're like, I'm not coming back to this church. I'll just do it online. That way I can turn it off easier. <laughs> I don't like the message. Okay? Let it get into the soil of your heart, like Kyle said, okay? Let it get in there. Okay? Don't let the cares of the world drown it out. God's going to bring something out of this word. Okay? This is important for us to wrap our head around. It's going to take away a lot of frustrations in your life. Esther. Right? We see most of these problems came with men, so now we're going to go to the women. Esther 4, 14. It's a time when her people, again, the Israelites, were being pulled in to be exterminated. Right? The government had issued a decree that you could take their land, you could kill them, you could do whatever you want. So they're being kind of pulled aside, set aside to be killed and exterminated. And she is the wife of the king, one of his wives. And so they go to her and say, you've got to go and you've got to help us. So she's supposed to go, and he doesn't even know that she's part of that race. She's supposed to go in now and identify herself as part of this race and ask for her people to be saved, and they're all about to be killed and all their land taken away. Her life was pretty good. She's living in the kingdom. She's living high. All those people are going to die. Her life is at peace. It's set aside. Things are going well. And God comes in and says, you know, I'm changing that. I want you to put your life on the line. So here's the verse. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this? Who knows but that you were elevated into this position of prosperity and peace 
and living a good life, not for your own comfort, but so that God could call you to put it all on the line to rescue and to save your people and your family. Maybe that's why God blessed you. Maybe that's why God prospered you. Maybe that's why it's been going good. Because God wanted to get you to a place where he could ask you to put it all on the line for him. And to save others. Talk about overwhelming. You've got to literally walk in. At that time, if you walked into the king without an invite, you literally could walk in. And if he didn't you know, acknowledge you as it's okay to be in his presence, it didn't matter if you were a wife, if you were of the royal court, anything. If he didn't acknowledge you as okay, they came in unannounced, but I'll let them stay, then you were hauled out and killed. And she's supposed to walk in unannounced and say, hey, I need to talk to you about something. It's kind of important. Can we do it alone? I mean, all the people you're about to kill. I'm one of them. This is an overwhelming job. It didn't come from the devil. It came from God. God gave her this. God gave her this responsibility. God set her up for this. Going to David. We all love David. David fights Goliath. 1 Samuel 17.33. King Saul replies to David. He's talking to him because David wants to go fight against Goliath. This giant warrior that was threatening the whole Israelite army and nobody wanted to fight him. So Saul says to David, he says, you're not able to go out against a Philistine and fight him. He says, you're only a young man. He said, he's been a warrior from his youth. This guy's trained. This guy knows how to fight. He's strong. He's big. You can't possibly go out and win this battle. You will be what? Overwhelmed, completely destroyed, utterly crushed. You can't do it. Not only is he bigger, he's better. Not only is he stronger, he's got better equipment. He's a stronger enemy, and he's going to crush you. And so it goes on, and David didn't say, well, I'm big enough. God will never give me more than I can bear. I'm strong enough. God wouldn't give me more than I can handle. When David faced Goliath, he didn't say that. He didn't say, I come against you because I know that God has said, nothing can be bigger and stronger than what I can handle. In the name of the Lord. He didn't say that. He said, I come against you in the name of the Lord. He didn't come in his own strength. He didn't come in his own power. He didn't come because it was promised that he would be big enough for the task. He came in full acknowledgement that I'm too small, but God is big enough to defeat this giant. And he came in the name of the Lord. So we'll go on. Mary, this is Jesus' mother. Think about this. This is a blessing, right? God brings blessing, and yet blessing can be overwhelming. Luke 1.29. You can read the whole story if you want, but I'm just pulling this one verse. Mary was greatly troubled. She's talking about the angel of the Lord came. But you're blessed. Well, let's put this in context. Okay? When you find out you're pregnant, even if you are great home, married, everything's set up perfectly, and find out you're pregnant, that can be overwhelming. Oh, my goodness. Really, another one. Mary isn't even married, and she isn't even at all being with men. She's minding her own business. And an angel of the Lord comes and says, Behold, you are blessed. Oh, really? How's that? You're pregnant. Whoa. Is it overwhelmed? I mean, talk about overwhelmed. Like, wow. I haven't even set up a nursery yet. I didn't even know I was trying. Now you're pregnant. Oh, mercy. Overwhelmed. And so Mary didn't run from this, but she said, you know, as the Lord has said, let it be done to me. Right? And she took that 
thing is, when God blesses us, even his blessing is overwhelming. So whether or not we're living under the attack of the enemy and being overwhelmed because things keep going wrong, or we live in the blessing of the Lord, we are still going to be overwhelmed. He is a big God. You ever been at a party and someone serves you a piece of cake and it's just too big? No? (laughs) You're like, oh my gosh. And it's the kind of person where you have to eat the whole thing. And you're already stuffed because you just ate. And now you're staring at this thing and they're watching you. Like, do you like it? Do you like it? Oh, there's a little left right there. You got to finish that. And you're eating and eating. And it's like a labor. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's overwhelming. Even though it's a blessing, it's still overwhelming. It's too much. God's a big God. He serves huge slices. He doesn't serve a little bitty stuff to us. When he serves blessing, it is by nature too much. And even in that, it's only a little of what he has. It's only a slice. It's only a piece. But it's still too big for us to handle. When God puts that blessing out, it's too big. One of my daughters is a... Uh, works at Target. She's a manager at Target. And she uh, keeps getting promoted. And she's only 19, and she keeps getting promoted and promoted and promoted. And tonight, she closes the entire, like the whole entire Target by her. like, she's the one in charge closing the whole entire store, shutting the whole thing down. All the employees, all the workers, all of everything, she's closing it down. So I talked to her yesterday, and she's like, kind of having a little bit of stress, <laughs> a little overwhelmed. She's like, I don't even, th- this store is so big, Dad. I don't even know most of the people that work here. And I've been working here a long time. Like, I don't even, they're clear over there. They're in their own department. I'm like in charge of everybody. So she's like, got a little bit of stress coming on. Do you know what? It's a blessing. And yet even as a blessing, it's still overwhelming. So this idea that God is somehow going to make it so the things that come into our life are just the right size that we can handle them is completely False. Everything God calls people to do is more than they can handle. Why would he do that? Because God has a reason. God has wisdom. His thoughts aren't aren't our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. God does things differently for a reason. Why would he possibly make everything in our life bigger than us? Think about that. There's got to be a reason. We'll go to Jesus. If anyone could handle anything, Jesus could. Here he is. He's standing here getting ready to go to the cross. He's in the garden at night. He knows it's coming. He's literally just staring, knowing what's going to happen, like into the eye of the hurricane, of sin, of death, of the wretchedness of the world. He's going to take it all on himself. This huge tidal wave of all the sins of mankind. It's this huge, giant wall of agony despair, perversion, anger, hate, all of these things. You ever gone into an environment where it was just really like tangibly wicked, tangibly gross? Like you walk in, you can just feel the darkness there. You ever been somewhere like that? Jesus is looking and saying the sins of the world from the beginning of time to the end of it are all about to just be heaped on top of me. Not just the whipping with the whips, not just the nailing of the cross, 
But all of the, the wicked wretchedness of humanity and all of our mistakes and all of our intentional sins and everything else is about to come crashing down on him at the cross. Overwhelming. It was overwhelming for Jesus. Here's Jesus in Luke 22. He's thinking about this. And he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. He's looking at it and saying, this is overwhelming. If there's any other way, let's talk about it. I mean, I love Matt. Father, I love him. But if there's any other way that I can have a relationship back with Matt, then going underneath that tidal wave of sin and being crushed. Let's talk about it. And I love Jason. I love Ernest. I love Molly. Lord, I love these people, Father, but there's a different way. This way is overwhelming me right now. But not my will, but yours be done. It wasn't the devil sending him to the cross. It was the Father. Not my will, but whose? Yours be done. It was his solution to the problem. God gave his own son more than he could handle. Gave his own son more than what he felt like he could do at the moment. So what is this beyond what you can bear? Where does this phrase come from? Because what the devil always does, he did this with Jesus in the desert when he tempted him, is he takes a verse and he twists it just enough, a truth, and just puts a little twist on it so that it sounds very, very true. But it's not quite true. And then that's where we get into trouble. It's like if you left here and I gave you directions to my house, but I didn't like you as much as you thought I did. And so my directions weren't quite right. <laughs> I mean, they're really close. Like, they'll put you into the Black Hawk neighborhood, but not quite into my driveway. That's what the devil does. He takes a truth, and he just tweaks just enough that it puts us in the wrong location. And then we miss the blessing of the Lord. We miss the presence of the Lord. We miss the help of the Lord. We miss the direction of the Lord because we're not actually there. We're looking around saying, where's God? This is supposed to be his promise. Well, no, actually, his promise is like, two blocks over. You're just outside of it. So here's the verse where that comes from. 1 Corinthians 10, 10, 13. There is no temptation that is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear or in other translations beyond what you can handle. Take that little piece of that verse. This is what it's talking about. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can handle. Whoop, pull that out. Make a cool font. Put a nice picture behind it. God will not give me more than I can handle. That's where that comes from. But that's not the context. That's not the verse. That's not what he's talking about. So we're going to dissect this verse a little bit and what it means. It says, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, the implication would be that not anything that's on me is not going to be too big for me to bear. That God's going to give me enough strength that I'm a strong enough person, that I'm a good enough person, that I can lift this up. That cuts out the second half of the verse. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. The concept isn't that you're going to just be able to bear it. The concept is that there's a way out of having to bear it. There's a way out of having to handle it. There's a way out of having to be the one to stand up and push this thing. 
That there is a way out of that. Now that goes for the good or the bad. If there's a success and the blessings God's putting in your life, you're like, oh, it's so awesome, but I don't know how to handle this. I might just quit my job because they're promoting me and I can't handle the promotion. It's just stressing me out too much. Or I might just have to quit in this other area of my life because, you know what, it's just becoming too much. It's a good thing, but it's too much. I can't go forward. Or else I've just got to become so much of a better person and stronger of a person that I can push through. When I worked at, at Keller Williams as a real estate agent, this was years ago, but my social anxiety was so high, but the favor of the Lord was so high that I got promoted into running the, the biggest real estate team in Clark County at the time. It was the owner of the whole company, 250 agents there, and then their personal team, which had the highest volume, I got promoted to run that. And my social anxiety at the time was so high that literally, I have no idea how this even happened, but I got promoted to do this, and I would show up at work. I opened the door to of the office, this big, like, 10-story building downtown, Vancouver. I'd walk in the office, and when you walk in the office, you come in the door, and to the left is the secretary's desk, and to the right is the elevator, and my office is just on the other side of the secretary's desk, the receptionist, and so are the offices of other agents. And I would literally come to work, walk in the door, and at least 50% of the time, social anxiety would hit me so hard that I would turn around, get on the elevator, go down to the basement. I would walk through the basement to the other side of the building, come up the stairs, and go to my office from the back. I could have walked 15 feet past the receptionist. But the social anxiety of, what do I say this morning? Because yesterday I said, hey, good morning, the weather's nice, but I don't know what to say this morning. I already used that one. Anybody ever been there before? I know I'm not the only one. But the social anxiety, some of, you, some of you like super extroverts have been born that way. You like came out of the womb screaming at people and you slapped the doctor, the doctor didn't slap you. Some of you guys think I'm crazy. But that's how I felt. And I'm running this team. Because God's favor and what God wanted to do in my life, it didn't take into account my ability. It took into account God's ability. It didn't take into account my comfort. It took into account his cross, what he had done to set people free and how he wanted to bring blessing into people's lives through my life. And so my comfort no longer mattered. God said, no, I'm putting you in this position. And every day when you come to work and you walk in the door and you look over to the left and see the desk and you look over to the right and see the elevator, you're going to have to figure out how to stop depending on yourself and to start saying, God, you put me in this place. And I'm going to believe in you for the confidence to walk in it. And I'm going to believe in you that you're going to work with me through the blessing of this and give me the wisdom I need and the knowledge that I need and the skills that I need to do what you call me to do. And God left me there. The devil didn't do it. God overwhelmed me. I was praying for blessing, and then when he blessed me, it was way more than I can handle. I'm like, just take some of it back. He's like, no, I'm putting you here. Why? Because I'm not blessing you for yourself. I'm blessing you the same way I blessed Abraham. And the same way I bless everyone, I'm blessing you so that you can be a blessing to others. And in order to do that, I have to give you more than you can handle so that when it's all flooding you, you have to start dishing it out as fast as you can. Otherwise, it'll crush you. And you've got to depend upon me. 
And so going back to this verse, that he won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you're tempted, he'll provide a way out so that you can endure it. What's the way out? Jesus told us what the way out is. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. The way out is always, has always been, and always will be through Jesus. Doesn't matter if you're a brand new believer. Doesn't matter if you're not a believer. It doesn't matter if you've been a believer for 20 years and you're a leader and you're a pastor and you're somebody else. When you get into a situation that's too big and you start to get overwhelmed because it's negative, you lost your job, you can't pay your bills, your back just broke, your spouse just left you, you found out your kid's sick, and the thing is too big and it's crushing you, the way out is not to say, do you know what, I can do this. God won't give me more than I can handle, so I know I can handle this. And you look in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm good enough, I'm strong enough. You can do it. You will get crushed under the weight of that problem. The way to do it is to come, and when the weight and the pressure comes on, is to say, you know what, I don't have to handle this on my own. I don't have to be big enough. I, like David, can say, I don't come against you in my strength, I come against you in the name of the Lord. God is with me who can be against me. The song that we sang today, it looks like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by him. Looks like this is all coming in on me, but God is with me. And it draws us closer to him and puts our faith in him. We begin to pray more and we begin to seek more. and We begin to get on our knees and call out to God. And then when we talk to the problem, we don't talk to it about how we can figure it out, but we start speaking in faith to that problem. Going back to these apartments that we're going to start ministering in. I wanted to be in that apartment. It's right by the church. I went in there month after month. Can we come in? Can we come in? I emailed. I called. I did everything. Can't get in. More than I can handle. I have a desire to be there. Lord, there's people that need to be ministered to there. God, it's right by our church. Lord, give us that place. Help us get in there. I can't get in there. Finally, I just said, you know what? Lord, it's your apartments. Those are your people. You care about them. If you want us in there, God, get us in there. And I just begin to pray about it. I begin to talk to God about it. A few months go by, and they're calling us to come in. They're going to pay us to come in. They're going to pay for our outreaches because it's not what I can handle. It was bigger than that. It's what God wants to handle. That's what he wants to do. Jesus said also to come to him because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Now, the key words there are his and his, which he keeps using in that verse. His yoke. His burden. In other words, when we come to him with that problem, or even if it's a success and it becomes overwhelming, when we adopt it, you know what? That's a blessing. Praise God. Sometimes it's overwhelming. We got a little tiny baby. We got to take care of every minute of every day now. It can be overwhelming. Whether it's a negative or a positive, it tends to become at some point overwhelming. Jesus said his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Well, I thought my Christianity is supposed to be easy. I thought it's supposed to be light. I thought it's supposed to be peaceful. I thought it's supposed to be, oh, I can just do this. Not on our own. We come to him and his yoke is easy, it's light. What often happens is we come to faith, got saved, now I'm going back out to do life. And everything becomes heavy because we're doing life on our own. When he says, come to him, now that verse never finishes with, come to me, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Now go back to being by yourself. 
It has an entrance into his presence. It doesn't have an exit. The idea is that we come to him and then we stay with him. It's light because it's his yoke. It's light because it's his burden. In other words, the things that he gives us in our life and the things that he allows even in our life are not meant to be carried by us. They're meant to be carried by him. They're meant to be carried alongside him. You know, yoke has like a double neck. You put in one oxen, you put in another oxen, they walk together. The idea is that we're walking with him and really it's his strength. Have you ever carried something with a little kid? Groceries, and you have like the handles up here and you tell them to carry the bottom. Right? Anybody ever done that? It's like, hey, help me with this. The little guy comes in, he grabs the bottom, he's got little fingers on it. It's got all the ice cream and milk and everything in it, super heavy, and you got the handles up here and you're carrying it. And you let just enough weight on there that he feels like he's carrying it. He's walking in and oh, and he drops it down on the ground, you set it down, and mom comes in, the little kid's just like, how strong he is. And he didn't carry much. That's what he's talking about. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. If we'll come to him, he's going to carry most of the load. We just have to walk next to him, and he'll give us the amount that he wants us to carry. But if we say, you know what? I can handle it. That little kid says, you know what? I, don't need, I can handle it. It's not more than I can handle. Give it to me. I got it. And all that stuff ends up on the ground. You can't get it inside. And you're sweating outside. And the ice cream melts. And the whole thing's a disaster. Because it's meant to be more than we can handle. It's meant to be enough that we are doing it with God. That he's walking with us. And to end on this story, and then we're going to pray, is uh, I read this in a book called The Christian Secret to Happy Life. And this is out of like the 1700s, I think. And... Uh, story about this guy walking down this old dirt road and he's got a backpack on it's big and it's heavy and it's weighing him down it's crushing him he's going down and this wagon comes along and says hey why don't you get in the wagon i'll give you a ride he's like oh you know i don't know if i can do that you know i don't know if i could impose and no no get in the wagon just come with me so finally the, the driver talks him to get in the wagon he gets in the wagon and sits up in the little you know bench of the buggy next to him and they're going down the road and he's bouncing over all the potholes and this big package is crushing and breaking his neck all the way down the road. Finally, the driver, the, the wagon driver, looks to him and says, why don't you just put your bag down? He says, oh, no, 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 no. You're already taking me. I could never, ever ask you to do that. As if in his own mind, he's the one carrying the weight. It doesn't change the weight of the wagon at all for him to take it off and set it down. But a lot of times we come to the Lord, and yet we try to carry all of our own stuff. Good or bad, our success is going to be successful. I'm going to show God just how good I can do. And our success begins to crush us. Or our failures. Well, I've failed so much and I know God wants me to do better, so I'm going to carry it myself. What God is saying is, you know what? Just set it down. Set it down. Be with me. Walk with me. Live with me. We'll do this together. And that's what God has for all of us. We can bow our head and pray and uh, have a song going here on that we actually sang during worship in Christ alone. It's an important song. Now, they didn't know, Matt didn't know what I was preaching about or anything. All these songs are right on with that. You know, God fighting our battles, putting our trust in Christ. I mean, all these songs. I think God has a word for some people here that he wants you to just stop trying to do it. 
on your own. Even if it's a good thing, trust God. Take it to him. Walk with him. Let him carry some of that weight. Let him do it with you. Hey, if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. I just want to pray with you. I see some hands. Now keep it up for a second. Anybody else? Okay, if you're next to somebody like that, I just want you to put your hands on their shoulder, pray with them. We're going to do this as a family. Just pray. God is putting pressure and weight on people not to crush them. He's allowing pressure and weight because he's drawing you closer to them. It's a good thing. Think about it. Think of how much has driven you away from all your other activities and more towards prayer, more towards the word, more towards showing up at church to be encouraged. The effect it's having is it's trying to push you towards him. And that's where he wants you to be. That's where he wants all of us to be. Father, we just thank you, God, for your goodness. I pray right now, Lord, that you will bring just a sense of encouragement, God, a sense of relief. Father, that it will just begin to come off of people's hearts and lives, God, that we don't have to do things in our own strength and in our own way. Father God, I pray for that right now, Lord. I pray that there would just be a release right now in Jesus' name. God, of the weight, of the pressure, God, just a release from the lie, God, that they have to try to handle it on their own. They have to try to stand up and be strong and get through it. That, God, you will give them, God, a full revelation, Lord, of the, the love and the care and the partnership that you want to do with them. Father God, we thank you for it. God, I pray that you just bring just a sense of refreshment and peace into their heart. Lord, a sense of hope, God, a sense of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.